and welcome back to Educate Ebony. I'm Ebony and I had a really good chat this episode. Uh, We'll get to that in a second, but I would like to recap on episode three where I chatted to Susanna Yuanu and she told me to listen to the album Gutter Ballet by Sabotage and I was definitely saying it as Sabotage with a B, but it's with a V, Savotage. Yeah, I didn't get that for a long time until I tried to find it on the internet. But the album itself, it's definitely not my usual taste in that I wouldn't have chosen to listen to it if I stumbled upon it. I would have been like, cool, this sounds great. And then I would have moved on to something else. But actually having to sit down and listen to it, I think made me appreciate everything that went on in, the, in that album. And it, it was really interesting. There, was, there were classical, I guess not classical, but you know, classic rock, classic metal sort of elements because it is from the 80s, granted the late 80s, but it definitely feels like it could have been made earlier. I think it's a very impressive album and I think it blended nicely with my everyday life. You know, Susanna said to listen to it during my everyday life. So, you know, I went to the library, went to the shops, lay in the sun, went for a walk around South Bank. It was a good time and it was just really nice background music. And that's not in a bad way. I'm not talking like elevated music. I'm talking like just nice, this is my life kind of music. So that was cool. But let's let's roll on to this episode, shall we? Because I am super excited to introduce Dylan Gillies Parsons. He is the lead gravy maker for one of Australia's heaviest bands, Gravemind. He's an extremely charismatic frontman, and he has the perfect length hair for headbanging, and that's very important for everyone to know. So, Dylan, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Ebony. I appreciate it. No worries at all. It's lovely to have you. Let's jump straight in. Mm-hmm. Tell me. What is the one metal album you think I need to hear? The one metal album I think you definitely need to hear is the album Iowa um, by the band Slipknot. You may have heard of them, may not have. I'm not too sure. I'm not. I aware. have. Is that, so how you're going at the moment with your, your learning of, of old school metal, of that bald metal we talked about? Uh, does Korn fall into that category or are they too cool for bald? <laughs> um, they did a dubstep <laughs> album, so they, they fall nicely into oh, bald wow. metal these days. Yeah, they're definitely very bald now. Okay. Well, yeah, Jack from Void of Vision told me to listen to their debut, and I did. That was awesome. Loved it. That was great. But otherwise, not too much else, really. Ah, cool. So Jack's recommended the um, the first Corn album. That's funny because, yeah, yeah, the Iowa album for Slipknot, I believe, came out like a, around a similar time. So it was like back in the really? day, people used to compare. Yeah, weirdly, I never really got this. Um, maybe because I'm a vocalist and I just don't really, I'm, I'm not smart enough to really know what's going on instrumentally, but... <laughs> People would people would compare Corn and Slipknot all the time. Like those were the the two, like neck and neck new metal bands of the era. So, see, I think most people either fell into Slipknot or they fell into Corn, and then as they got older, they they realized they're being an idiot, and both are pretty good. So yeah, um, <laughs> interesting. Jack reckons like okay. Yeah, he was like, it's not necessarily his favorite, but he's definite. You got to hear it. It's a game changer. Is that the same with um, Iowa by Slipknot? Yeah, I would say so. Iowa by Slipknot was, to me, like, uh, like such an influential record just for the fact that it was like, like I said before, when I was at that Christian school, I got shown Slipknot. And so it just felt like, it felt big. It felt like, ooh, a bit naughty. Shouldn't be listening to this at Christian school. There's something quite like visually alluring about it. There's something that like captivated like a young mind from the get go. And I guess being that like Tasmanian grade seven boy, the, the masks and like the get up and everything was what drew me in. But then as I listened, I, I've listened to this album since I was in the first year of high school and still to this day, it's aged like, it's aged like a fine wine <laughs> to me, at least. <laughs> to me at least. I think um, it's definitely an album that you should listen to now because for kind of what it did 
for metal and kind of what it what it showed you could do. So Slipknot had a, a self-titled album, which mm. I think maybe half the listeners who know about Slipknot will be screaming and like shouting at their monitors because they would be thinking I should recommend that original album to you. Okay. Um, because it was it was it's like a bit rappier. It's like got those new metal elements. It's got like some pretty big songs. I'm sure you've heard like Wait and Bleed, um, Eyeless. Um, but Iowa was the album that they followed up with, and it was in every single way imaginable. So much heavier and so much more aggressive and unrelenting and almost unpolished in a way. It had this like it has this real rawness to it, like where you can kind of almost hear in a lot of the songs. Like the drummer's kind of going out of time. It's the the vocals are like fumbled and they're not they're not super articulate. It's just this like unabashful um like aggression and rage on this record that even to this day listening to it i think after hearing so many different metal bands as i'm sure you have working at wall of sound you've heard so many different <laughs> renditions of oh wow metalcore band with a bit of gent influence who would have guessed love it um, <laughs> so fresh so new um that i wear is still an album to this day that when you listen to it you can still you you get a very clear sense of like raw emotion and it was an album that I think is really, really, especially poignant for me because they were a band that was so wrapped up in their theatrics. They all wore masks. They had a drum kit that floated up into the stage and it would tilt forward and spin with a pentagram behind oh, it. Like it was full on, like it was almost like going to the circus a little bit when you would go to see, I would imagine, or go see Slipknot back in 2001 when they had this album come out. They were so theatrical. But what was something that I took away from that album was that the music itself wasn't adulterated it what it didn't it didn't sound like it was something done for commercial success clearly because it was so much heavier than their first album i remember watching all the little un was it unauthorized de- like vhs tapes and interviews about iowa and all the bands saying that everyone expected them to write a record that was going to be more commercially like uh, marketable with like more clean like you know clean singing and, and uh, I don't think they called it clean singing back then but something that was something that was at least like more radio friendly and they just went fuck that we're really pissed off where like nine kind of like I don't know what their version of bogans are in America but that's to say nine nine like uneducated bogany kind of dudes that were just fucking really mad and they wrote an album that was just so so heavy and it got to like number one in the UK charts oh what the heck yeah, it topped all their last record sales. It was like such a massive commercial success. And they did that by writing a ridiculously heavy album. I just can't even comprehend. You know, I don't want to say throw the rule book out the window. Just be like, cool, last album was great. Uh, let's forget about it and just start anew. What do we want to do? What do we feel like? And just go from there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, they give me a lot of confidence being in like a really, really stupidly heavy <laughs> band that you don't have to you know, chuck in a few more choruses and, you know, make it uh, more commercially accessible to for it to be successful and to have an illustrious career. And I think even these days, people kind of tend to stick their noses up at bands that clearly, quote unquote, sell out. Yeah, they do. Even if the music is good, even if you're like, oh my God, this album's so good, but a mm, little bit commercial, a little bit more mainstream. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. my God, Triple J's playing it. Oh, I don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah, that kind of like, oh, is it is it still cool? Can I can I listen to it? Is it is it bald yet? I'm not is sure. It bald? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So when you first listened to it, you were in primary school, did you say? I was grade seven, so I was first yeah first year of high school. Yeah. Was it on like tape, CD? How did you get your hands on this little number? What, what do we have back then? Um, 
I feel like it was CDs. I don't know how old you are, but like when I was in year seven, we had CDs. Do you remember a thing called LimeWire? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got my hands on a bunch of Slipknot songs was through LimeWire. Good days. And I think once I had a whole little MP3 player full of just like, I don't even know where the songs were from, all different places, all different albums, all Slipknot. Some of them were like, you type in Slipknot Duality and you get Soldier Boy. <laughs> <laughs> This is a bit of like a, like a deviation from this chap. Have you heard about what Soldier Boy did to make himself famous? No, I don't. He I used do. to he used to rename his own song, like um, like Beyonce, uh, her latest single, or like Eminem, Lose Yourself, or what? He would rename his own song that and then upload it to illegal downloading software like like Napster and LimeWire. So people wow. would, people would people would download the latest Eminem track and then just hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sneaky, but genius. I know. I know. Very genius. So that's where I got, that's where I first heard of, that's where I got my hands on Slipknot. And then I think when I had enough money, I went down to the, a local sanity store. Do you remember? Do, in, yeah. They've got that in so Brisbane good. still somewhere, like yeah. out in the burbs. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm from, I'm originally from like SA and Adelaide. So like we had sanity up until probably a couple of years ago, for sure. It was probably still yeah. there. I didn't even know, but Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to, so there was one in Tassie, which is the one that I, I bought the CD from from when I was a kid. And then when I was in grade 11 and 12, I actually got a job working at Sanity. And their country section was bigger than their pop rock. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had this tiny little, we had this tiny little um, rack on the side, which was for metal. And it was right at the front counter. So anytime anyone come in and they would look at the metal section, I'd be like, I'd just be like, oh, that's how I've got. Um, Aiden, the guitarist in our band, because he he went to the front metal section, picked up a periphery CD, and I literally just said to him, I was like, I'm in a band. Do you want to join my band and play guitar? <laughs> Is that the origin story? <laughs> that's of literally Grapevine? that's the origin story of, of us playing in bands and to more or less us still being in bands to this day. Yeah, that's beautiful. What a great relationship. Yeah, it's very cute. <laughs> and he said to me, he's like, he's like, oh, I'll have to think about it, dude. And then the next day, he was at recording. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. Happily ever after. Oh my Happily gosh. Happily ever after. Yeah. Well, when you were listening to Iowa, I guess the first couple of times, did it become important to you immediately, or you took a couple of listens and like you look back and you're like, actually, that's a good album. I really like it. It means a yeah. lot. It's definitely it's definitely an acquired taste. I think. I mean, like it, it was for a, it was for a grade like grade seven like kid. I didn't like it straight away because it was so it was so aggressive that I was like I didn't really know how to. I don't know how to listen to it. I didn't really know how to process it. But the, the theatrics and the imagery it all kind of conceptualized it for me and I could I could slowly start to to appreciate the music as opposed to just looking at it for the spectacle, I guess. So if you're going to sit down and have a listen to it, maybe give it a few runs or I'd recommend there's a live, the best live DVD on planet Earth. It's called Slipknot Disaster Pieces. And that's a live DVD. They play the entire album of Iowa and a bunch of their singles from the first album. And it's just, it just, you watch it and you go, ah, oh, I get it. That's why there's nine people. That's why this is the way it is. This makes perfect sense. And it doesn't lose, there's like all these theatrics, but it's still somehow art. I don't know. It's a very weird, yeah. nice blending of like completely like label made marketing meets like art. Right. So do you reckon that you can't separate their image and their theatrics from the music? If I had no idea who Slipknot was and like didn't know what they looked like and I listened to the album itself, would it have the same effect as if I knew who they were and like saw the music videos and like saw their masks and everything? I honestly couldn't for the life of me even imagine what, what that would be like. 
I'd be interested. I would be interested to hear what you think if you just listen to the record and then and then told me what you took from it. You're like, ah, this is like a bit whatever. Like, I'd be interested to hear what you think listening to it music first before seeing the videos and seeing any like live DVDs or anything like that because that could really yeah that could be really eye opening. I'm not sure. That could be interesting. I don't know. Well, now that you are a musician in your own right, when you listen to this album back again, are there any like musical aspects or little things that you noticed about the vocalists as well that you really love and you reckon maybe other people overlook or people who aren't in, I guess people like me who aren't really, you know, I don't know a lot about music and technicalities that I would miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. When I, when I listened to Corey's vocals on that album specifically, I don't even think he had necessarily a technique. Like these days, vocalists all have talk about technique. They all have a certain thing that they do, which creates their sound. And if you have good technique, then you can scream for show after show after show after show. And it's like, it can be specific to you, but it can also be quite generic. Like if you work out, if you're a vocalist and you're trying to learn how to scream, you might even notice yourself when you listen to lots of different bands coming through all the sound, you're like, oh, this all kind of, all these vocals kind of sound the same way. They, they, they impact the same way. They, they hit the same way. It's because those vocalists most likely have, to some degree, good technique where they're looking after their voice and they're creating, they're almost like they're creating the scream noise before it leaves their mouth. So the microphone kind of does a little of the amplification. Yeah, it's a bit, mm-hmm. it's, a, cool. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a trick. It's like a bit of a, like a, like a smoke and mirrors a little bit sometimes for some screamers where the mic is making it sound huge, but they're actually really quiet when they scream. But when you listen to Corey, it's literally him in a room just shouting as loud as he can. <laughs> and the noise you're getting, the aggression you're getting from listening to him is just what his body can do. And I think he's, they call it, one of his nicknames is like the neck. Because he has like the world's like largest neck. He's like a little dude with a neck the size of like your head. It just goes, <laughs> it just goes, it just goes from cheeks straight down. And I swear to God, that's just because he, he didn't have a technique. He just, he just, he got drunk, went into the studio, was manically depressed and then just made the, one of the darkest albums ever. And when you listen to it, you can actually hear in the take that it's most of it's like one take and it might even be one. It might just, I, I guess he must just go from the start of the song until he can't anymore. You can, you can't really hear that many cuts where it's like one take after the next. So he'll go from one section to the next and he'll be out of breath and he'll just keep, he'll just keep doing it. Like he'll scream to the next line by fumbling the words and kind of catching up to himself. And it's just so raw. It's just like, so it's powerful and it's raw. And I don't think there's been much like it ever since. Wow. People don't do that these days. It's all very, (laughs) I mean, you would know better than I do, but like, I imagine it's very precise and be like, cool, here's that verse. Have a little rest. What's it like? Uh, Would you ever try and emulate what he did in this album? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great interview question. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did actually for, for this latest, um, grade mine record that we've just recorded, yeah, I think we recorded, um, we went to an Airbnb for, I think 17 days, which we've never done that before. We've never all as a band gone to a location and just said, okay, this is our time to make the album. And so I've never, ever recorded vocals so consecutively. So it was like, you know, day on, day off, day on, day off, day on, day off. And then the last few days was just day on, day on, day on until until I got it done. So my voice didn't actually have time to recover. So every time I do a recording take, you know, and you're trying new things, you only know how it's going to work. So you kind of hurt your voice a little bit. It kind of files off my like technical ability, like five to 10% at a time. It'll literally just like make it worse sounding. And on this record, it's, 
I'm really, really happy with it. The one that we've just, the one that we've just written and recorded, because you can hear on some songs where I don't sound at my best, and it makes the song so much better. Like I can't, <sighs> I can't believe it. Like, and for some reason, like just by, just by, like by coincidence, it's it's all the really emotional and like emotive songs where I'm at my worst, and it just, I don't know, it has this magic about it where I'm really, really happy because it reminds me of, it reminds me of that Iowa record where it would have just been Corey screaming until he couldn't anymore in a quick succession, all in one take. And so, yeah, we kind of got to, I got to somehow replicate that vibe on this record. So it's really cool. That is so (laughs) cool. Also very tough. Like I would assume physically and mentally to be like, I feel like I don't sound my best, but it actually sounds really good. Um, Well, tough is a funny, funny, it wasn't tough. I would, I would finish, I would do like six hours of screaming, stop, and then just say to everyone, I'm not speaking another word. Don't ask me a thing. And then I drink little Manuka honey teas just one after be yeah. huffing steam out of a pot. Like it, it was anything but tough. It was just I felt like a very, very fragile little butterfly. I was like, don't, don't go near me. Don't give me a beer. Like I know I'm not smoking that. Like get, get away from give me. Give me my tea and my yeah. veggies. <laughs> yeah, and my sleep. I want my sleep. Yeah. In my little, I, I had like a this Airbnb had like. Uh, like seven or so rooms with all these like big double beds and some of them had like a few shared like you know a couple of beds in one room and I claimed like the kids room for some I don't know why I just I there was like a there's like a two single bunk beds meant for children in this one room and I was like that's my one that's my room that's my little safe space that's my zone and I, I kind of pretended like I was in I don't know like the military or something and I got my little bed put the sheets up and I was like right, I gotta rest now I'm resting because I gotta get up in the morning and do a mission <laughs> well the big question is top bunk or bottom bunk bottom I, I it's can't, gotta be no, the bottom can, you're right it's gotta be the bottom when you're a kid top bunk is so cool but like you I'm, I'm a big fella walking up those little slats just hurts my feet I don't want to get to the fucking top <laughs> bunk every time no it's not worth it no <laughs> well the album as a whole um what's your favorite track it's got to be, um, this, uh, it's just saying it out loud. I, I was like, at the start of this conversation, I was like, I wonder if this album's b- considered bald now. And I'm like, no, nah, it's definitely not. But I think it is because my favorite track, the name of the track is People Equals Shit. Great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, uh, that's all, there you go. Nothing has changed, <laughs> <Yeah>. has it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it has not. Um, yeah, that, that's like the, after the little intro that they've got, there's like a little intro section, which cool, a bit of trivia. Not cool, it's depressing as hell, but um <laughs> There's like a there's an intro track where it's just it sounds like someone screaming and kind of like in pain, and that is the audio recorded message of their DJ Sid when he got the news that his grandfather had passed away. They recorded him, or somehow they recorded his reaction to that, and it's stretched out, and that's that's at the start of the record. It's fucked up, and then this the the actual starting like the main track, people equal shit comes in, and it's the most overbearing, obnoxious way to start a record that's meant to be like this big roadrunner commercial thing ever it's literally called people equal shit i think that's just like i don't know i wouldn't say it's tough but i think it's one of the one of the more bold ways to start your 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 metal record oh my god that's pretty brutal yeah (laughs) holy shit they they lived and breathed it like it'd be interesting for you to listen to it and see what you think when you listen to it but i would go back and and watch some of the interviews and like the the meet and greets and like Mm. the back the behind the scenes stuff of around that time because it that it just doesn't exist like that in anywhere in the world in metal anymore. Like they lived and breathed this crazy shit. They had fans giving them like um, fan art made in their blood 
and things like oh. that. Like just the craziest fans you've ever seen in your life, people losing their minds to see this band. And that just wouldn't happen at all anymore. Like I've met all my heroes, all my heroes in metal and the best ones are the ones that are boring and lame like me. They're just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I'm working on the record. We're you know, in a nice relaxing little place. And, you know, we're going to this producer and that producer and, you know, like very tame personalities, very tame sorts of people. That's, those are the, those are the rock stars now, but back then there's, um, they used to have um, a website called slipknot1.com and it had a, a tab that said injuries and it was an injuries list for all of the band members. And all most of the people in the band had an injury um, caused by a guy called Sean, which was their drummer. Oh, no, one of the percussive drummers. He he played these big tub drums, like four or five of them, just massive, like, Tom-looking things, and a keg. And he would hit that keg with a baseball bat, and it would go, ting! And that's in the song. You can hear you can hear, <laughs> you can hear this guy hit a keg. And m- most injuries were caused by him throwing that keg across the stage lighting people on fire he'd light people on fire with like uh, with like lighter fluid on stage he broke people's toes with the keg like these people were absolutely fucking batshit insane wow this is where metal gets its reputation because the metal of like right now 2021 i mean you can say tame it's still heavy and awesome and hardcore and stuff but like that's where people are like, oh my God, you like heavy metal? Oh, because of all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like even look at the way like we're dressed and uh, like the way we've decorated our room. We're not. Yeah. I've got plants not, up there. Yeah. yeah I've, got, <laughs> I've, got my little, I've got my little video game collection over there. My favorite games on my, you know, my different consoles. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's a whole different world now. I, th- I think it's in a weird, it's in a weird way. It's a lot healthier and more sustainable, but it's definitely far, le- far less exciting. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And like, I don't know how you know all this trivia or not, it's not trivia, but like all these really cool um, aspects and little behind the scenes notes of the, the band and the album. But I know that Wikipedia doesn't say it for sure. So like if you could have a little little typey type mm-hmm. on the Wikipedia page for this album, is there anything specific about the album that you would add that you'd want people to know about? I don't, outside of those little tidbits and facts I gave you, I don't think, I generally don't think there's anything else I can really say. I think I gave you the, 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 the greatest hits. <laughs> Yeah, just be like, just all of it. Just listen to this podcast. Listen to the episode. Don't read Wikipedia. No, no, no. Just, yeah, literally just listen just to this. Come right this here. This is where you should go. <laughs> Get educated. Oh, well, I always like to ask this question. I always think it's really interesting. But what are your listening notes? How do you reckon I should listen to it? What else have I had? Uh, go for a drive? Yeah. How do you feel is the best way? Uh, this record in particular is, is best saved for when you're feeling particularly overwhelmed. I think if you are in a really brain foggy fuzzy and like pent up um state of mind that's when this album really comes alive because it is just so um one track in its aggression there's it it goes through the start of the album is all really aggressive and really angry and then it go it goes quite dark and melancholic by the end so you do somehow on this really dense heavy record you do go through a bit of a a bit of a, a ride and your emotions do change but i think the best way to go into it listening to it is when you're a bit pissed off so maybe listen to it in traffic, potentially, <laughs> like or, or or whenever like whenever something happens and you're just like, oh for fuck's sakes, you know that's yeah. that's when you that's when you put it on. <laughs> I like it. That's cool. That's very specific. Anything else to add before we wrap this one up? No, thanks so much for having me on. It's been fun. Uh, I never thought I'd get to talk about uh, one of my favorite albums from when I was a kid and still to this day. So this is a nice little, ex- nice little experiment. No, well, thanks for coming on. It's been so great to chat with you. And to recap for everyone, the one metal album that Dylan Gillies Parsons thinks that you and I need to listen to is Iowa by Slipknot. 
Thanks so much, Dylan. This is so good. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view with all this knowledge. So great. No worries at all. You heard of that term? Have you been in the metal long enough now to know what bald is? Wait, bald is in B A L D. B A L D is a description for like no. music or mainly metal. That's they call it bald. So if it's if it's like if which would fall like into your Slayers, maybe into your Pantera. It's like tank okay. top metal. It's like it's like the hell yeah, brother. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> That's <laughs> so. It's, it's kind of like a bit lame. If if someone says like a band these days, like a new band is bold, it basically means they're like old and they're lame. 